Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering key legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Wow, this new year is off to a very busy start. Many of you have been calling me about Senate Bill 553, which was effective on January 1, but actually doesn't impose any obligations on employers until July 1 of this year. So what is SB 553? Well, as many of you know, I have been a huge proponent over the years of workplace violence prevention training. There are way too many workplace violence incidents that occur, and there really are a lot of things we can all do to help prevent and avoid them. Obviously, nothing is going to be 100% effective, but the California legislature, I think, did a great job in getting SB 553 to the governor, and then Governor Newsom signed it. So what is it? When you think about your obligations under Senate Bill 553, what I want you to really think about three main components, all right? Number one, you will be required as of July 1 to have a workplace violence prevention plan in place, okay? A workplace violence prevention plan, a WVPP, okay? Now, That should sound familiar to an injury and illness prevention plan, which is required for most California employers. You can find a sample of that plan on the Cal OSHA website. Your workplace violence prevention plan will be part of your IIPP, part of your injury and illness prevention plan. Now, what is unique about this new law is that your plan must be tailored for your specific workplace. Okay, so for example, if you run a company where you have delivery drivers who go to people's homes, they're going to be potentially um, in a higher risk job than someone who is teaching second graders, okay, or someone who's working in my law firm where we rarely get visitors. Most of what we do is really, um, strangely enough, done over the phone or on the internet, all right? So, Your plan must be tailored for your workplace. Now, your IIPP also must be tailored for your workplace. We are expecting over the next couple of months, long before July 1, we hope, to get some guidance from Cal OSHA and some other local uh, agencies here in California about what needs to be included in that plan. The terms, the requirements, the language of SB 553 They do give us some guidance about the kinds of things that we need to be talking about, but not necessarily in the detail that you would hope. So we know that the purpose of this workplace violence prevention plan is to prepare employees for a potential workplace violence incident, let them know what they should do if something does happen, who they can report concerns to, really what their own individual responsibilities are, as well as the employer's responsibilities. So the idea of this plan is that we're in a situation where we are trying to give everyone a heads up about what needs to actually be done to prevent these problems. 
Those of you who've heard me speak on workplace violence prevention before know that unfortunately the statistics tell a very dismal story of knowledge. And what I mean by that is that in most situations where there is what we call a mass workplace violence incident, something where um, individuals were harmed, there are weapons being used, this is actually something that you would hear about on the news, right? In almost all of those situations, there have been a number of lead-ups. There have been threats. There have been comments made. There have been actions taken that if we look at the totality of the circumstances after the event, we realize that gosh, there might have been something we could have done. In the moment, we may not have noticed it. That is common to just about every mass workplace violence incident, including the one that happened that really started my interest in this field in 1991 um, at the 101 California Street building in San Francisco here in California. Very horrific event where a former client of a law firm went in the building, um, made his way right to the top floor where this law firm was, shot and killed a number of people, ended up killing himself. And when they unraveled the situation, they realized that he had actually been threatening to do this for years. He'd been sending letters over and over and over again. And the problem was he had sent so many of these letters and he had made so many threats that he had not followed through on. He remained in what we call the ideation phase, where he had just been talking about it but not doing anything. That an assumption was incorrectly made that he wasn't going to do something. And the building wasn't prepared. If you've been to San Francisco recently, you know that you can't get in an office building. You certainly can't get up to any of the floors without identification and without checking with security. And they have a number of cameras and a number of things in place, all because of what happened at 101 California Street. At the time, though, we didn't have a lot of those things in place. So that was my first year of law school. I was an intern uh, down in the financial district. And when I learned about what had happened, it, it really not only piqued my interest in employment law, which was really in its infancy in terms of harassment, retaliation, discrimination, wage hour compliance, that sort of thing, but also just beginning to get a little bit of notoriety, right? Some of the sexual harassment cases were coming out. We had Justice Clarence Thomas, the hearings for his confirmation with Anita Hill were happening. So there was a lot going on. And when you think about your obligations to prevent conduct, whether it's harassment, discrimination, retaliation, or workplace violence, it's all about being proactive, right? And that's what this plan is all about. You have to Think about what type of workplace you have, what type of risks uh, to which your employees may be exposed, and then what reasonable steps you can take to alleviate or at least minimize those risks. So that is your workplace violence prevention plan. Remember, it does have to be tailored for your workplace. Now, one of the things we are doing is we have a team where we are providing this service to all of our clients where they're going to get the plan, they're going to get the training I'm going to talk about in a moment, they're going to get record-keeping forms that are necessary, all in one for one flat fee, so that that way they don't have to worry about it. They can cross SB 553 compliance off of their list for good. 
If you're interested in that, you can just email me and I'll give you some information. In the meantime, I want to talk to you about the training requirement. Unlike other mandatory training in California on equal employment opportunity issues or on ethics in the workplace, which we're going to talk about next week, where there are very specific uh, requirements in terms of how long the training needs to be, we don't have that with SB 553, at least not yet. We know that you have to do training when you roll out your workplace violence prevention plan. You also have to do training when you identify a new potential risk to make sure that all of your employees are up to speed on what's, what could potentially happen in the workplace. And then also if you actually have a workplace violence incident, you don't have to do this training. You do it annually and then when you kick off the plan. And hopefully if you don't identify any additional potential um risks and you don't have any violent incidents, that's all you'll be doing is that once a year training. But there aren't requirements about how long it needs to be. There are some substantive requirements. So Melissa Whitehead and I, she's the attorney who's um, who's the main sort of lead for this project. She and I think it can be done in an hour. There, there is a list of, of requirements that need to be covered, but based on our initial review, we think it can be done in an hour. You can do it on video. Uh, we can do a live webinar that you record that you show to your teams. There are a lot of different ways to do this, but the training needs to be rolled out um, after July 1. So our advice is just make July 1 your compliance date or July 15th, you know, whatever it may be, and get the uh, training rolled out. It does need to be something that is interactive where you can make sure that everybody really understands what's going on. This is not meant to be a check the box type of a thing where you just check the box and you're not real concerned about the substance, where you just check the box to say you did it, but it's not really anything that is going to have a huge impact on your work environment. This, of course, is critical because the whole goal is to prevent any uh, potential workplace violence issues from arising in your workplace. So the training, again, just like the workplace violence prevention plan, has to be tailored to your workplace. We have to make sure that we are covering all of the requirements and what additional things you may have at particular locations. So you may have a transportation hub as well as an office environment as well as an outdoor type of environment. Maybe you have a yard, uh, some kind of an equipment yard. You're, you're going to have to tailor the program for all of those different um, type of environments, but you can do it in one session. That way, in our view, if you have someone who might be moving from one environment to the other, you can show them that training again, right? That, that training, we want you to try to get as much out of it as you can. We hope that Kalosha is going to come up with some sort of a sample that can be used soon. Um, but we have a template that we're using that we then tailor for each individual employer. The third component, remember I told you there were going to be three components to your SB 553 compliance program. The first is that workplace violence prevention plan. The second is the training. And the third is the record keeping. So you do have to have a violent incident log where you're logging any sort of violent incidents that may occur. 
Remember, that doesn't mean it's a mass workplace violence incident. A lot of times we miss that and we think, oh, well, it's not workplace violence because nobody had a gun or it's not workplace violence because nobody was injured. Any threat to the workplace, it can even be verbal. Okay, anything where somebody is feeling threatened, being verbally assaulted can meet that requirement. So that doesn't mean that a supervisor who loses her temper every once in a while is creating a workplace violence situation, but we do have to be careful and we have to think about how we are going to explain to our teams what we are actually trying to prevent, okay? And the record keeping is part of that, making sure that we are tracking any workplace violence incident, that we have the plan that is being distributed to everyone and that we can show we distributed the plan, that the training, we have training records that show when the training was provided, what was covered, who facilitated the training. So record keeping is a big part of this uh, compliance program. We're recommending to all of our clients that you have at least one person in your workplace, depending on how big you are, you might have several. You may already have a dedicated health and safety person who you can use for this role, but someone needs to be driving the bus when it comes to SB 553. You can't leave it up to individual managers and supervisors, and we don't even think it's a good idea to just generally say to human resources, oh, this is your job, make sure you get this implemented. It's just not going to work that way. There are a lot of requirements that you have to meet and planning ahead is going to be really important. So this is not a huge burden. It's not something that should take a ton of your time, but you do have to be organized. Remember that it applies to just about every employer in the state of California, private, public, etc. And you don't need to have very many employees. Okay. So this is not something where you need a hundred employees or 50 employees. You got an employee in California, you're going to be doing this compliance program. That is the basics of SB 553 compliance. Obviously, if you have questions, you're welcome to reach out. Remember, we do have this service that we're providing to clients that I think will help you tremendously in making sure that you're on top of these requirements. If you want more information about that, you can always reach out to me anytime. Just remember the goal. We are trying to prevent workplace violence issues from happening. So it is worth every ounce of effort we spend to identify those potential risks, get them in the plan, make sure people are trained on them, and make sure we keep that record keeping. Thanks so much for joining us today, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. Workplace Wake Up, including our guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without first consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and or rate and review it. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and email us at info at shawlawgroup.com.